Hello and welcome to episode 181 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening is my lovely co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hello, I am uh, very excited because as we start recording this podcast, I am at the the trading post frantically claiming all of my buy orders as they're filling because I'm about to make ad infinitum and I'm so excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I we were talking before the show, and you have apparently gotten into the market of buying and or not buying, but uh, crafting and then selling subsequently legendaries for profits in order to buy and sell more legendaries and put it in the profit cycle. Yes, is that an accurate summation? Um, yeah. I'm I'm intending to get there. I have made one legendary and sold one legendary and have not, you know, gotten into the cycle of it yet, but I can I'm, I'm Well, you're making another legendary. It's, it's just good. a legendary back piece. Yeah, it's so. also count bound, so I can't do anything. Well, I am actually well, right. really excited about having a legendary back piece because I can choose any stats on it and I can crank it up full of uh, agony infusions and check it in my shared slot which means I can get um, a back piece, first of all, with any stats on it, which is great for raiding, because I play a druid and I play a necro, uh, which use stats on back pieces that aren't widely available, because mm. I don't think you can find a Magi's backpack anywhere or whatever. I I just use a... Actually, here's a pro tip for you guys. If you need a back piece and you can't find the back like the stats you want, go buy a lucky great ram or lucky monkey back piece they're exotic and you can choose the stats on them you can choose some of the stats that you can't really get anywhere else and then you can chuck an ex- exquisite orb in it they're crafted by jewel crafters and they, they drop you can buy them on the trading post uh drop in an orb of your stat choice and it's pretty much it like not quite as good as an ascended back piece but pretty much as good so if you need something just to like get that annoying yellow or green back piece that the story gave you out of your inventory go buy one of those it's like eight to twelve gold depending on what the trading post is doing so not too expensive to to fill that stat gap that is a pretty good pro tip i probably should do that on a couple of my characters that i hardly ever play all my all my mains obviously are you know exotic or ascended backpack but not not so on some of my random (laughs) i don't know some of my random characters that i have but anyway, I don't think there's really a ton of news this week, right? We pretty much are just going to sort of continue last week's podcast talking about some of the revamps because we didn't have enough time to cover them all. And Rabin, unfortunately, got called away right before the show, so he can't be here to talk about it, but he put some notes about World v. World stuff. Um, yeah, I was going to say that there actually is a, a slight bit of news. Um, the... Uh, they've basically put out a poll to the World v. World community and asked for direction on the next sort of priority for them in terms of World v. World upgrades. Um, so that is available for you to go and vote on if you so choose. I, I looked at it day one and I haven't looked at it now, so I don't know what the current um, spread is, but the uh, you, you basically can choose between scoring improvements, which includes things like reducing the impact of night capping, um, adjusting the objective score relative to the upgrade level, adjusting for capturing objectives, things like that, or various quality of life improvements like um, reducing nameplate clutter, cross-map team chat, 
um, better better summary tool tips, uh, better displays, just just various quality of life things. And both of them are, um, you know, open to taking suggestions from the community. They're definitely moving towards a community-driven uh, sort of I don't I don't want to say release schedule, but like development style. Um, yeah, development style. There we go. That was perfect. Yeah. Um, when I looked at it early on, and I have no idea what it looks like now, it was a very even split between um, scoring improvements and quality of life improvements. So unless something has changed, and I I honestly haven't looked at it, I don't know if anything's changed, but unless something has changed, it seems like a very a uh, sort of divisive issue between those two topics. Oh, there's also a no preference that you can vote on, by the way, as well. That was a, made a small proportion of maybe like 6%, I think, when I looked. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, we've said multiple times that I'm not really... We're n- Neither one of us are really Worldview World players. We sort of dabble from time to time, but we're not, we're not sort of that core community. So uh, from that perspective, I think it's... I think it's really cool that they're putting it out there because they don't, I mean, they kind of do that sort of thing with PVE, but not this explicitly. So I think it's, I think it's really cool that they're doing that. It's, it's probably frustrating for some worldview world players who look at that and say, you know, these things should have already happened. So why are we only getting one or the other? But that's kind of neither here nor there. The, the situation is what the situation is and it's, it's clear that they're trying to do right by that community who feels fairly slighted, I guess, or perhaps just neglected. And I don't think there's much better a way to do that, to make sure that they get what they want, than to, you know, put it to a poll. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say also, one thing I was sort of disappointed about is that it wasn't in-game. So you have to, you know, you have to hear from us or from someone to, to go out of the game and to go vote on that if you do care about that. But they have said that they are working on getting an option in game that they just haven't been able to do it yet so if you were disappointed about that maybe next time hopefully so which of the two would you or did you vote for um i was really torn i think i ultimately selected no preference because i think either of them would be good but then i also sort of felt a little bit guilty uh (laughs) because as we said uh you know, we're not worldview worlders, and so I felt like maybe I'm not hardcore enough in that community to have a say, and so it's sort of weird that I went and voted on it, but I don't know. Like, I, I yeah, I'm a little bit conflicted about the whole thing. But, yeah. Uh, I well, think I, I mean, you gave the most non Either one would be good. Yeah, I was going to say, you gave the most non-committal vote anyway, so you don't have yeah. to feel too guilty about that. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I voted in it too, just because uh, it's the type of direction that I would think is more impactful which is that i voted for whichever one had the sort of like fixing the mechanics rather than quality of life because Mm -hmm. in my opinion fixing mechanics is quality of life yeah there's some sorry go ahead oh it's just i mean the the things that the things that were in that mechanical section were the things that people have been frustrated with literally for three years now so while I when I looked at the key, like quality of life subset, they all looked good and interesting, but it's I mean if you don't if you don't address scoring just in general, all sorts of aspects of scoring, but if you don't address scoring, like no it to me no no amount of quality of life things in that category would have fixed some fundamental frustrations that everybody had this this whole time. So 
it just seemed more significant to me but yeah um i think the thing that put me particularly and a lot of people off from from voting for that particular choice is that um the the reduction of the impact of night capping is bundled in with it and mm-hmm. it it's sort of a controversial topic in the community and for me especially because i live in a weird time zone so i could be considered a night capper if you um you know depending on when i play mm-hmm. uh and there's a worry there, well, there's sort of the the perspective that you know world be world is a 24 7 game mode um you know night night capping is a part of it and if you're getting night capped then you know your solution should be to figure out a way to to combat that or whatever not to make the game reduce the you know um the efforts of players who are night capping because it's a you know, night capping is a valid strategy and so i uh, I don't. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that, having not been invested in World v. World as much recently. Um, because I, like I said, I've said many times in the past, I only really like to play during seasons because it's a very sh- sort of a short, um, short form of the game. I can't just play to play the game and get invested. In it. I do enjoy jumping into World v. World from time to time, but I don't get very emotionally invested in it um, over such a long period of time. I don't. You know, feel very strongly about where my server is in the rankings or anything, or the desire to really buff my server up anymore. Um, but if my con, like you know, if I did get into it, if they start bringing seasons back and stuff, I would be disappointed if my contributions didn't count as much because I play in an off time zone. So I'm not sure where I fall on that, but it I can definitely see why people would vote against that or why they wouldn't want to vote for that because that is bundled in there. Sure, that's fair. I think. That's a really complicated issue to talk about because nothing that you said is incorrect in that, you know, it's, it is a part of it and it is a valid strategy. And I don't think anybody would claim otherwise, but you could also say the same thing about literally any balance change. (laughs) It's like, you know, well, it's part of the game and that's, it's a valid strategy to use these things that are clearly better than everything else. So... You know, but like that, so that doesn't really that doesn't really hold water as a reason that you should or shouldn't change it. Um, it definitely is. You know, no, I, nobody should be condemned for night capping or for having a server that um, coordinates that. And that's that's where that argument really does hold water. Is you know, it is part of the game, and that's that's fine. But if you're talking about how you fundamentally want the game's balance to be structured, saying that well, it's currently part of it is not really an argument of whether it should be it's just saying it is mm-hmm. uh, i i don't know i don't know how to uh, i feel like night capping is more of a problem it's more of a different problem that's exposing itself which is that there is no oceanic server and like it, you know it's like people in your time zones have to either be on na or eu but you're far enough from both of us that it's sort of awkward either way in terms of hours and so that's sort of a bigger problem i I mean i don't know if it's a bigger problem but it's it's a manifestation of that it night capping is a manifestation of the fact that there are no oceanic servers in my opinion and i think that it's kind of yeah i don't know like i said i'm not i'm not a huge worldy worlder so i don't have the the passion on this topic particularly uh, just coming at it from a game design perspective it's 
it feels very un-Guild Wars to say that the optimal strategy is to pick certain people from different time zones than yourself because they have they have more value than time players from your time zone in the sense that you've got all sorts of players from your like do you see what i'm saying like I, but i mean i understand also what you're saying is like well if your contribution doesn't count because nobody plays at that time then that also feels crappy right. so yeah i mean it's but yeah, that's, I think it's just a really complicated issue. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I don't, and, I don't have a solution for it either. I mean, really, both of those things feel sort of unGuild Warsy. It feels unGuild yeah. Warsy to not be rewarded for doing the same thing as somebody else, but it also feels kind of unGuild Warsy to say, you know, the optimal strategy is to play with only a very specific subset of people, and that subset has nothing to do with their skill and purely to do with where they physically live, like that. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't sound like the kind of design of Guild Wars, but but I mean, you know, like you said, the the counterpoint is, you know, if your contribution doesn't count as much, then you know, that that feels crappy for for you guys too. So, yeah. I mean, I I can understand why that makes it a controversial vote, I guess. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. It's very complicated. As we've said Indeed. about four times in the past 5 minutes. Yep. Uh, did you want to talk about any of the other world v world things since we're on that topic? Some of those bullet points. Um, I I think I'll just say that uh, I've been playing a lot of world v world. I'll leave most of the stuff for for Rabin because I'm sure he can talk about it much better than I can. But I have been playing a lot of world v world um, in the last sort of couple weeks because or yeah because I needed 500 badges of honor for a legendary that I was making and I didn't have any because I spent them all in my guild hall. So I had to dive in and actually really get into World v. World for the first time in a long time. And it was a really enjoyable experience, I have to say. Uh, between the reward tracks and the server mergers, which again, very uh, controversial subject, but I believe that it has been overall beneficial to the game mode because I had so much fun in World v. World getting into these massive fights that I haven't seen in, in quite literally years. And you know, part of, you know, I admit, fully admit, part of the reason I haven't seen those fights in years is because I haven't been in World v. World that much. But, uh, you know, Part of it's also that like... NSP is not <laughs> massive either. Well, yeah, we're in Tier 4. So, I mean, we're, we weren't bottom of the pack, but we're also not top of the pack, you know? That's a, um, that's pretty low spirit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Tier four it, it out of was, how many tiers? No, it was exact. We were exactly in the middle. We were yeah. um, like twelve or thirteen out of twenty-four, and yeah. we got matched with uh, twelve or thirteen out of twenty-four because they they did the way they did the server, not mergers, but uh, well, sort of mergers. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed to see that they didn't preserve um, the names of different servers. So which whichever server was bigger became sort of the host server, and any any buildings capped for that server show or you know so NSP is paired with Sorrow's Furnace right and any any building that Sorrow's Furnace caps it says Northern Shiver Peaks has capped so and so which is a little bit uh, to some extent I understand right because there are Northern Shiver Peaks and Sorrow's Furnace people playing side by side and if you know like five people from Sorrow's Furnace were there and like three people from Northern Shiver Peaks then they both capped it and like you know it's like a somehow like i understand it a little bit but it is also sort of an unfortunate uh reduction of server identity which had been really strong and i 
had before you know fully looking at it and understanding the changes been a i thought it was a really cool way of handling it because it's not it's really not server mergers um, because while these populations are currently allied the long-term intent is that they will be mixed around and you know we won't always be partners with sorrow's furnace they might be partners someone else will be against them next time uh so they're they're not truly being merged they're just in you know in, in a temporary alliance but it does sort of reduce the the identity of the people and and really really tight-knit servers um especially some of the low tier ones that had purposefully gone to the low tier to to avoid these big big fights and um find a very close-knit community have been shoved in with uh com- communities that are exactly the opposite of what they're looking for um, and I can I can definitely see um, understand complaints for them, but as far as I was concerned, just from from a, a player standpoint, um, getting in there and being able to find find fights going on, um, the commanders were really excited because there were things to do and we were jumping all around. There's all kinds of map hopping. Um, I got an our team speak for the first time in a long time and was just listening to everyone going, oh yeah, we're we're this close in points, but Dark Haven's catching up. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, I also. I do have to mention, um, while I was blobbing in the Stormbluff Borderlands, uh, I accidentally ran over one of my guildmates on another server, which led to a bit of fun guild banter in chat, which is I really enjoyed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's yeah. I I don't I don't have really too much to add to that. I think you pretty much pretty much covered it. I think. Obviously, you're never going to please everybody. So, mm-hmm. no matter what you do, some people will be happy and some people will be not. I think server pairings is a good thing. Uh, and I also think it's a much healthier way of doing it than an actual server merge, both because you get that mix up factor, which is kind of fun, but also because it's only impacting world v world. So, not, I mean, even though with mega servers, your server isn't really an identity. I think that you still get grouped typically with people from your server much more frequently than people from others because just anecdotally, a lot of the time when I'm just doing random PvE content, if I am in a party with anybody, almost all of them are from Yaxbend. And I, you know, obviously we're up there in the world v. world population slash ranking, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're not... Uh, there's there's a lot of other servers out there that have a lot of players, and I find it hard to believe that Yaxpend is the <laughs> most active player base total. That to like misrepresent or to to skew the representation of people that I randomly meet out in the world that way. So, um, yeah, I I think that I think it's I think it's a a nice way of of keeping that aspect sort of world v world based because that's really the only thing that truly matters anyway or that your server truly matters for anyway any at this point so um yeah i don't know it's it's flexible and like you said we can leave the rest of the world v world stuff to Fraben for next cast because neither one of us do it that much so oh i do want to say one thing though um i put a link to it in the the show notes hopefully you guys will, will get to see that if you want to but um there is an api that tracks the amount of kills in world v world and be you know, due to all these changes and things, the the total amount of kills in World v. World uh, was up fifty ish percent from previously, and the kills in the Borderlands specifically was up one hundred and fourteen percent from previous weeks. 
Yeah, it's that's Which, pretty that's pretty big. Yeah. Pretty big. It's a pretty big increase in pretty much anything you're talking about ever. So very cool. Alright. Uh did, would you like to talk about the hot revamps or fractals next? I can go either way. Uh we can go for fractals if you want. Okay. We uh talked about it when Opt was here, I believe. So we were talking about it, you and I, before the show a little bit, and it sounds like I have sort of gotten the short end of the luck after that first day where I got really lucky, and you've actually gotten pretty good returns on them, which is yep. interesting. I guess that gives me hope that I'm just in a in a dry spree right now. Um, I, yeah, I think my only complaint really about the new rewards is that it's annoying having to accept four chests at a time and there's a there's more inventory clutter but that's that's sort of just a an a problem endemic to the game in itself but ha since since we've been running things that are non-swamps how do you feel now about the overall state of high level fractals and or um instabilities just just think since since we pretty much were only doing swamps before and now we're sort of getting exposure to that 75 to 100 range or 76 to 100 range. What are your what are your overall thoughts on some of those things now that they've tweaked some of them or not in some I cases? I really enjoy doing high level fractals. Like I actually look forward to it uh, most of the time. Um the slight thing is I will part of it is because I think people are still getting used to it, but I will not pug them currently i have only heard horror stories about pugging right now so on you know on days when i get to run with twit or relics um you know or, or at least most of it you know three or four of us uh, i really look forward to them and i i enjoy doing them they're a nice challenge um they're not overly challenging where i you know i'm coming away feeling frustrated or anything just that you know i have to pay attention and there's a sort of short time where i can focus and you know do some good play and then get pretty well rewarded for it there have been a, a couple days that i haven't really gotten anything too great but most days i get an ascended mat most days i get an infused ring and a salvage tool or something or a little bit of extra gold there's there are very few i think maybe one day in the sort of two weeks that it's been out where i came away feeling like i didn't really get anything that i was happy about but i still got a die and like 10 gold out of it so I mean, they're just, I didn't get something specific. So. Wow, if your bad day is a really die with 10 gold, that's <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty <laughs> yeah, good where I'm I mean, sitting. Yeah, I, it's been really enjoyable. And I, I don't necessarily get things I'm looking for. Like, I'm really looking for Ascended gear right now because I've got, uh, you know, I've got a, a druid that I want to get geared up, um, getting things ready for raids and having swapped around on classes a little bit. Um, I'm really after Ascended Gear, and I haven't really gotten any of that. But I also haven't been disappointed because, you know, I come away with some dies and three rings and a salvage tool and, like, a Black Lion chest. Or, or not a Black Lion chest, a Black Lion salvage kit one day out of Fractals. I got all those things in one day. And it's pretty... I would say definitely it's pretty high RNG. Like, you can get a lot of things in one day or not really much the next day, but I've never, since the change, I've not felt disappointed coming away from Fractal, which is a startling change from uh, <laughs> the many, many years of doing Fractals previously. Yeah, it's it's interesting that we can have 
fairly different experiences. I will agree that it's a lot more fun with, or rather, I I don't trying to say this the proper way. I enjoy them when I am with a guild group. Let's put it that way. I they are a lot better in that aspect, and they are generally not unfun, barring Aetherblade sometimes because I really hate that laser room. It just really makes me angry. But aside from that, it's pretty painless, and you know if you're with people that know what they're doing, especially when you're on you know a team Teamspeak or Mumble or some sort of VoIP client, it's it's pretty good. It's really not fun with pugs a lot of the time there are certain ones that i just will not do with pugs um a lot of them are fine with pugs though all of the well i won't do my trend with pugs but the other two bosses are fine the cliffside is fine uncategorized is fine easy the underwater the molten facility oh i won't do dredge with pugs oh my god i had the <laughs> oh Mm, yeah, I've 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 been pugging with a lot of people because I seem to just a lot of people do them at reset, which is when I'm driving home from work. So I miss a lot of guild groups. So I've been doing a lot of pugging and it's sometimes not a thing. So that's I, I don't know what you can do to fix that. And I think some of the fractals I still think are just not fun, but most of them are most of them are good. And a lot of the instabilities have been cleaned up to a much better state and the apparent it seems to me like the mob hit points and the boss hit points have been scaled a little bit i don't know if that was with this patch or if it was with a prior patch and i just haven't had any incentive to do other high level fractals but that feels toned down from where it used to be up at this high so overall i think that's good on the rewards side i clearly haven't been doing all of them every day but i've been doing two or three of them every day i think for the past two weeks and on my first day i got real lucky and got an infused ring and two helmet ascended chests and then i have gotten including today three ascended crafting materials and i want to say two infused rings and that's it and every day i've gotten less than five five or less gold from opening the uncategorized boxes or whatever the encryptions so on that front for me i feel like i'm getting rewarded less barring that really lucky double double chest day but i feel like i'm getting rewarded less for a lot more frustration and that's largely because pug uh, swamps were so easily puggable that you know i could just pug them so mm. but i i don't know i don't know if there's really a fix for this <laughs> i mean it sounds like most people are getting rewarded better so Maybe that's just me, and it, I mean, as as demonstrated, every time I have run it with a guild group, it's a it's a lot smoother and a lot more fun. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's the right direction overall. Yeah, so. I also hit level hundred. Twit guild was very nice to me and boosted me to hundred when I was close. Mm -hmm. So I have, I am now the uber fractal level. Yeah, I'm up to good. I think ninety four now. So I'm getting there. Goes up, you know, couple couple every every day or every other day because there's usually one in the 90s somewhere that's part of that so not to now, now there's a reason as opposed to before where it was mostly just sort of a uh <laughs> a vanity aspect since there wasn't really a reason to do ones up in the 90s other than because you can so yeah so overall thumbs up 
uh, despite some minor frustrations. So really, the only other main top or were you about to say something? Yeah, well, I was gonna. Did we talk about them changing instabilities? Because I think that's worth mentioning a little bit. We we sort of talked about it, but we didn't talk about any specific changes. I think we talked about them a little bit last week, but we didn't give the exact changes. We just talked about some of them being put on timers for how often they can fire and things like that. But if yeah, yeah. go ahead. You can't be feared off cliffs by random enemies anymore. Ah. Uh. Right, really? They, yeah, they. So the one that applies random conditions, they took fear out of the pool of conditions that can be applied to you. Oh. So, uh, I think I maybe see. they did one or two other ones too. Like there, I think only damaging conditions can be applied to you now. I believe that's correct. Uh, I bore the front. I, I don't know. I got hit real hard by that by the mosquitoes in swamp when they all did bleeding to me, and I suddenly had fifteen stacks of bleeds and nowhere to put them because I was on my necro and I couldn't get rid of them. If only you had a them. healing skill that removed conditions. I know, but I was being lazy because I was just supposed to run the orbs, and I was like, I don't have to put consume conditions on. This will be rid of that. Yeah, no, that that does happen to me sometimes as well because I don't, I frequently don't use consume conditions as my heal nowadays, so I don't really bother when I'm in swamps to just put it back. But sometimes that causes me problems if I get yep. accidental aggro on something. Plenty of things you can do with conditions on a necro. They just all involve an enemy being there, and I don't always have that. And, well, or the problem with that is if you do it to an enemy, a lot of the time it hits multiple things, and so then you can just end up in a worse situation by aggroing multiple spiders and or mosquitoes that otherwise would have just left you the hell alone. Not that that's ever happened to me before. <laughs> but, yeah. Was there any other instability changes that you wanted to talk about? I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, there are a couple other ones, but that one is the one that is most important to me in my heart place, and that made uh, doing upper-level runs smoother. Yeah, it's definitely true. When you said that you couldn't be feared off of things, I thought you meant, like, they changed something about fear and cliffs for Ma. I was like, what? Oh, no. What? How? How did I miss that? But yeah, it's, yeah. Not just, I mean, even not, even discounting cliffs, just getting feared all the goddamn time by just a high volume of attacks from enemies was just just super super annoying so yeah good change good change overall yeah very good changes i don't think i really hate any of the fractal instabilities i do think it's funny that i don't remember which fractal it was but it's one that appears both in the 90s and in probably the 70s or maybe 80s but it is easier in the 90s to do because of the instability just i think it's is my trend both at 100 and what 80 uh no there's there's no mitrin in between 50 and 100 actually so you there's actually no tier 3 mitrin it's a bit weird mm, okay there there's some there's some one then and i can't remember which one it is but there's one of them that it's easier to do it in the 90s than it is to do in the in the middle of them because the social awkwardness is just not that painful when you have max ar and yeah but that's not a big thing so, uh, unless we had something else to talk about with Fractals, did you want to cover some of the Heart of Thorns revamp changes? It sounds like you've put more time into them than I have. I mean, I suppose I can. Um, overall, well, because we didn't even they... talk about it at all. We just didn't even have time. Like, does it does it feel better, or in what ways does it feel better? Because it just reading the patch notes, it's sort of hard to get a grasp for how big of a difference it is, because a lot of them are sort of just like added events or you know 
improved rewards, but that doesn't really tell you how it feels to play the content. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of hard for me to say because I think the changes were specifically directed towards people who sort of play solo or didn't like the overarching meta events or didn't have enough time to put into them. Um, and for various reasons, um, like I was doing map ex exploration and um, I, I needed to farm Ectos, so I was doing, I was doing whole cycles of the maps. So I, I didn't have that experience of just jumping in and jumping out and trying to get it. Oh, actually, I did once. Um, it is fairly easy to get your participation up to 100% if you just want to show up like 15 minutes before the uh, Oric Basin meta, for example, because there are multiple events where there's just a veteran roaming. And then at each um, north, south, east, and west, at each of the gates, there's an event going on. And you can you can tag more than one of those events if you need participation. Uh, to boost your participation up right before the the Octavine cycle. And then you can do the Octavine, uh, get all the rewards from that, and then head out if you want. So it's sort of like, um, you can think of it sort of like jumping into Silver Wastes on a taxi where Breach is about to happen. You go, you do the, the Breach events, and then the Vine Wrath, and then you leave, or go to a different one, whatever. It's still in a timed cycle, so, you know, Octavine only happens every so often. It's It's not as fast as you progress the events, which is still a little bit weird and uh, disappointing to some extent, but you know you can you can still definitely jump in and get rewards just from being in there for a little bit, even if you don't catch the the big big event. Yeah, I think that the intent really was to make it not feel so punishing if you couldn't be there for the big event, rather than to make the big events even more profitable. If mm -hmm. if you if you catch my meaning, because yeah. I mean, to some extent, it sounds like they've also trimmed it up a little bit so that it's easier to get participation if you are hopping in last minute. But a big problem before was that if you wanted to get really high percentage on the map, you had to be there pretty early, which in itself was already frustrating if your map didn't didn't become the popular map. So if you go to a map an hour early and start playing in it, there's no guarantee that that map is going to become the map that has even a slight chance at doing Octavine. And, like, that's frustrating. Like, the, yeah, it's it's hard It's hard to do it, and if you weren't really getting rewards until Octavine or whichever map you're on's meta event spawned, it just wasn't a very rewarding-feeling proposition, and it was doubly bad if you couldn't stay all the way, because then you basically just got nothing. So, I think I think it sounds like from some of your experiences you were talking about before the show that doing events is a lot more lucrative and rewarding now before the events. Right. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I just had a, a Samsung S seven handed to me and I, I had a technology like, Ooh, the shiny. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I had done a, a full cycle of Oric Basin. And so as, as another example of something they've done to make it feel better is each time you, complete an event that contributes sort of towards the overall meta in Org Basin. You get sort of 4 to 12 keys and also 4 chests spawn in the area. So if you just did the events, you'd be able to open, you know, like if you could just hop in there for 20 minutes, you'd probably be able to open like up to 15 chests in the time that you were in there. 
Um, but if you stay through the whole thing, you can do some crazy stuff where you hop over map IPs and things, and then you can get, you can just loot dozens upon dozens of these chests if, if you want to spend a lot of time in that map. It's really good that way. Yeah, which is great, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you're right also that it was, or well, I don't know if you said it, but I was thinking it while you were talking. If you didn't say it, <laughs> it, it feels like it's definitely targeted towards players that haven't had as much time or put in as much time into Heart of Thorns as us, because sort of at this point, both of us have now made a Heart of Thorns Legendary, which before this patch was, I'm going to go out on a limb and say a lot more tedious to get some mm -hmm. of those materials and such, probably, from the sounds of it, or it had to be on a much more structured no, schedule. I mean, both you and I struggled with the leyline sparks, right? You want to know how many I got in one round? Uh, 50? 112. Oh! Mmm! <laughs> yeah, it stings a little bit, doesn't it? But, I mean, it's really good. Like, if you want to go farm up those leyline sparks for your guild hall or for a legendary, now's the time to do it in case they decide to nerf it, because I have a suspicion that they will. Man, maybe I should decide if I want another Heart of Thorns legendary. <laughs> now yeah. that it's not going to be awful... Um, <laughs> still gonna be pretty hard though. But yeah, that's that's intense. That's an intensely that's an intense uptick in quantity. Yeah, you're guaranteed. You're incredible. guaranteed to get one per per cache now, and you can get up to four per cache. Oh, hmm. So. That wow. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I kind of burned myself out on a lot of Heart of Thorns maps just from making the legendary because when you only had you know, say about a 50 or 60% drop rate for a single one per crystallized cash. That uh, was a lot. That was a lot of those that I opened. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. I, it, was, it was the last thing I had to do, and it was sort of a stretch for me. Mm -hmm. I, I was also feeling very burnt out towards the end, and then now, now going back in there, and I have almost a whole stack again, I'm like, wow, this is not, not a burden at all. I do not mind this part. Yeah. Actually, feels a lot more in line with the uh, the gift of mastery from the uh, non Heart of Thorns legendaries, where you, I mean, sometimes you had to go out of your way to do it, but if you were playing a lot of other areas of the game and sort of farming up all the mats you needed to, by the time you were done with that, you probably had the gift of mastery already, or were very close to it. Gift um, of mastery or gift of fortune? No, the uh, so essentially while you were farming the gift of fortune, you probably also got a bunch of karma and things to buy your oh. hobby shards and your world exploration and your things for the the gift sure, of mastery. Sure. I got you. I see what you. I I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, and especially since the gift of fortune is already covered by the new gifts of money, um, that's seemingly the analog that they're going for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was. Well, and you, you were saying that you got, what, a thousand Aurelium in basically a full map cycle? Was that uh, right? Maybe. I, I'm not entirely sure how much I had before it, but I know it wasn't too much. So I would say probably, to be conservative, probably closer to 800, but maybe a little bit more than that. And I, I didn't have any map bonus things around, you know, so if, if you really wanted to min-max it or anything, I'm sure you could get more than that. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. When, for a Heart of Thorns Legendary, you needed what? 750 of every one of those those currencies or so um yeah. plus another say 500 or so depending on which one you're going for from one of them and 
when I was doing Orc Basin, it was like you do the meta event and you'd get 150, maybe, and yep. like basically nothing from any other source. And you know, you'd go down and open a couple chests, but if you spent if you spent them on keys, you got a slight positive return. I want to say from a chest, but not very. So yeah, that's that's pretty big, pretty big uptick. So that's. That's uh, that's good to hear. the The heart of thorns legendary was honestly contributed a lot of burnout factor. So, but that's that's good. It sounds like they've done a lot of good work. Same thing too with experience. Not that either of us can probably tell because we're maxed out on masteries, but I know a lot of people aren't, and I'm sure that helped a lot mm-hmm. for those people. Also, have you done any adventures since they changed those up? I tried briefly. Um, I haven't had a huge impetus to do them other than sort of my, one of my overarching long-term goals in, in the game right now is to get rid of all those stupid mastery points out of my achievement panel because I really hate how they look. Uh, so I, one night I jumped in and I did a little bit and decided that I just wasn't really in the mood for the kind of, you know, concentration and path optimization or whatever that I, I needed to be in that frame of mind to, to do those things. Um, but on the plus side, I didn't have any trouble getting to those adventures. Like they were all open and where I wanted them to be and I wasn't worried about them closing off. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's a big positive change. And I, what was it? The floor is lava. I wanted to get gold on floor is lava and I just could not do it before. And they added time to how long you had before it, it timed out on you. Mm-hmm. And I got real, I don't know what is wrong with me on that one, because I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos that did it in, like, legitimately 20 seconds faster than me, and I just, it's like I'm following the same path, and I just do not understand how they're faster than me at it, and I had a bunch of, like, sort of bug issues with it, just, which are more like Guild Wars engine bugs that were, I, I was really really salty but i got it so i wouldn't have gotten it before let's put it that way without the time extension i would not have gotten it before but now i got it so i got one of those and then i didn't try on some of the other ones that uh got extended that i hadn't gotten gold on because i was uh, real mad but it's good that they did that because some of those were unreasonable i think and even one of the ones that i could get a gold on the sanctum What's that one? Do you remember the Sanctum Sprint? Uh, is scramble. Nope. Is sprint it... is the minigame. Sanctum sprint Scramble is, is the adventure, which is not yeah, a which... minigame. It sounds <laughs> terminology. Yeah, it sounds backwards. Anyway, Sanctum Scramble. I could get gold on that consistently before the patch, but it was usually with only a couple set like one or two seconds to spare. And I'm pretty sure that they lengthened the time on that one. So I think that's probably probably a good change because I spent a lot of time on that one to get that and possibly an unreasonable amount and it also has occasional bugs so i think i think the adventure changes are put them more in line with what i would feel their concept was designed to be and Mm -hmm. yeah just just very just very positive overall so also i will give an important reminder for you that even though they changed the timers if you cannot complete them do not fret because there are other mastery points you can get that will allow you to max out your masteries without doing those stupid adventures that you hate. So don't <laughs> get overly rageful at them. Yeah, well, at least right now. Depends on uh, 
How many how many mastery points are you sitting with extra spirit? I have ten extras, but I have also killed all the raid bosses, so I have six from that. So I would have four extras from from normal open world stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So, alrighty. Cool. Well, unless there's anything else we really wanted to talk about on that, I think we're just giving it a general thumbs up, and that we're really happy that it is where it is now, and we kind of wish that it was that way a couple months ago, but we're not gonna be. You know, we're not we're not salty about the fact that it's gotten improved a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's really good for the health of the game overall and long term as, you know, as people come in for maybe the next expansion or whatever. Um, I don't think it will go to waste. I think it will stay relevant. And they did the work they did uh, probably put it along to a long way towards being that way instead of making it a ghost town when, you know, the next big thing comes out. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. All good. So uh, other than that, I kind of don't really have a ton to talk about. We do have ah, a... Uh? I have a pro tip. The, today I learned that apparently everyone else knew, but I didn't. I should have talked about this in the fractal. But it's really worth saying, because uh, I did not know this, and it would have been so useful to know millions of years ago. Wait, you know, millions of years ago when I was playing Guild Wars 2. Um, so if you open the LFG panel... And you click on Fractals of the Mist, and then you mouse over any of the categories. So it'll be like 1 to 20, you know, 20 to 50, whatever. Uh, if you mouse over those, it tells you on that tooltip the fractal levels of everyone in your party. So including your own. So you don't have to run up to the gate if you want to see your fractal level. It is a really convoluted way of seeing it, but there it is for you if you want to know that. I wish I had known that, like, a long time ago. <laughs> I That's funny. I can't say that I've ever cared i didn't know that either but it you know i mean i guess it's because when i was running swamps i didn't need to know and shortly shortly after the recent patch i'm now in the mid 90s so (laughs) you know i don't know but it's it's good to know it's it's always funny when those types of things are sort of hidden or sort of obscure to reference that it's just you can just go for ages without knowing that so always good to get that knowledge out there there's there are a lot of things that a lot of veteran players just simply don't know. There's too many things to know everything in the game, so good good tidbit. So we have a mail today. Would you like to read that, or would you like me to read that? I would like you to read it, because my voice is going funny already. Yeah, all right. Well, you're not, you're not used to me making you talk so much. <laughs> uh, all righty. So, uh, the mail says, Hello, Grybox Spirit and other hosts. It's been a while since I wrote in, but I once again find myself having something worth sharing. Hopefully it will be shorter than my previous submission. A lot of... <laughs> spelt a lot as a single word, which, if you've ever seen the a lot comic, I can't. I always see that. Or maybe Spirit transcribed it wrong. We'll see. Anyway, uh, a lot of conversation during the dry spells has focused around the problem of upgrades and legendary equipment and how the ability to stat swap gets frustrating with rune sigil costs and current inadequate systems to manage exchanging upgrades with the same ease as exchanging stats. So the question becomes, how to bring this quality of life to players and not impact the rune sigil economy too hard or invalidate gameplay opportunities to properly gear up a character? I may have thought up a decent solution. I call it stat memory, in air quotes, or in quotes, really, not air quotes, for lack of a better term. Uh, maybe we can come up with a better one. In essence, the idea is that a stat in legendary equipment dropdown has its own set of rune and sigil slots the game remembers which upgrades have been applied to the specific stat from the drop down menu for example i will use bifrost say i'm running a berserker dps build of my tempest and i'm using sigils of force and air and then i swap to another build that uses condition damage 
I want to use Smoldering and Bursting Sigils. Then when I swap uh, Bifrost to, say, Viper or Sinister, I can now apply those Sigils to that stat without removing my Force and Air Sigils from the weapon. But when I decide to go back to playing Power DPS, I swap from the Berserker stat, or swap to the Berserker stat, and my Force and Air Sigils are back. Granted, this may not be super optimal choices, but it's just an example. Basically, this turns Legendary Equipment into a full set of individually customizable Ascended Equipment, one of every stat combination that only uses a single inventory slot. I think the solution such as this is easier to implement. I did a little research and have some small experience with how the game currently tracks stuff like this. Does not use excess inventory slots with other items that can get lost or misplaced and will preserve the current upgrade economy as much as possible while still providing a huge quality of life for people with the ability to stat swap their builds. Thoughts. And this is from Tori, a.k.a. Oz. Who is a super adorable bird as their picture in the email. I was so excited about it. Well, I was super excited to get a mail and then doubly excited because there was a really acute bird attached to it. <laughs> Why didn't you put that in the document? Because I'm, I'm bad. <laughs> All right. Fair. Well, since I just did the reading, why don't you respond first? Um, I like the idea in theory. Uh, there's a couple things that I can think of, like, just minor things. Like, I... You wouldn't be able to tell necessarily what sigils were on there without stat swapping, so... But that's not a huge thing. Like, I wouldn't mind stat swapping. The only thing that immediately pops to mind that I think could be a bit, uh, irritating from a player, but probably would also protect the economy, is that, um, you would have to add specific sigils to each one. So, like, if you... It's not necessarily that you're switching from, say, a Berserker to a Sinister, where you would have totally different sigils, and, you know, like that, of course you would put different sigils on that. But, you know, when you're stat swapping between, say, Berserker and Marauders, which is almost exactly the same, and you would almost certainly use the same sigils for that one, you'd have to buy a second set of sigils just to have, you know, your extra 500 health or whatever it is. I have no idea what Marauders. It just has a bit of vitality on it. Um... Which is uh, a bit of a bummer from a player standpoint, but totally understandable from an economy standpoint. So yeah, I like that idea. Just uh, there's a couple things that maybe could be ironed out, but I don't have a good solution for them. Well, it doesn't really impact things compared to where it currently stands from an economy standpoint. It actually means that you'll be taking more out of the economy because currently you can stat swap and it just keeps your runes. So, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in your example, you know, if you, if you switched from knights to Zerker or whatever, and you just wanted the same sigils, then, you know, it, I mean, that's, that's what it already does. It wasn't, it's only a problem when you need to change sigils or, you know, runes ostensibly when legendary armor eventually comes out. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I honestly, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a decent solution for sure for legendaries. I, and this isn't your fault, I kind of rolled my eyes when you talked about preserving the sigil and rune economy. I don't care as much about preserving the rune and sigil economy, because I have a lot of problems with the way that they inter or impact experimentation. So I don't like that those have an established expensive economy around them. I find it unsatisfying. So if... If it were a completely open-ended question, I would probably do things to make those economies a lot uh, more player-friendly. But <laughs> given given your actual question, I think that 
your solution would not negatively impact the economy almost at all. Most people, I think at this point, just don't, like, they just don't, well, okay, so there's there's a couple aspects, but for one, with legendaries specifically, there are very few legendary weapons which roll equally well on Condition and Zerker. So if it is a weapon that is a, well, hmm. That's mostly still true even across classes, although sometimes if you're swapping them across your different characters, that that may change. But uh, a lot of the time, people just don't, they just don't do, they just don't buy new runes to re, or new sigils rather, to re-sigil up their existing armor, or exist, not, to re-sigil up their legendary weapons, because it's just like, if it's, if it's a staff, well, yeah, I, I keep going back and forth on what, like, but I, the main thing is people just don't do it right now. They just don't swap their residuals because it's expensive and not really worth it if you're passing your equipment around a lot. So adding something like a memory feature wouldn't, in my opinion, negatively impact the economy if it's only, especially if it's only on legendaries, because people just don't. I, I, I don't have any data to back that up, but... I have a hard time imagining somebody spending 20 gold, like, frequently to swap on one piece of gear back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But I would if I had the option, right? Like, my, my bolts Right, but that would be spending is... more. Like, you'd be buying... That would be... That would be... That's not like making the economy lose value. You oh, would okay. be... I see what you're you would saying. actually making it gain value because you would buy more than you currently do. Like, yeah. it's prohibitively expensive enough that nobody does it anyway, or very few people, I imagine. So things to that effect, I think, would not negatively impact the economy. I think they would probably actually make the value go up because people would be buying a bunch of things that maybe they weren't using before at all just because it just wasn't worth the cost to do it for a temporary, you know, yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's just me, but I think, I think, in, I feel that in general, most people probably don't frequently change between stat types and or runes and sigils and this is on on ascended gear too like you can stat swap ascended gear and sometimes people do it for raids if they really need a specific character to do a completely different build they'll stat swap their ascended gear but it happens so infrequently that i don't think that it will would have a negative impact on the economy for the runes market for armor um yeah, I don't know. I so, but yeah, I I think your solution is is fine, and it's I think some sort of memory is the best way of doing it, unless you went with another solution that I've seen tossed around, being sort of creating a special type of rune or sigil that you could sort of like power that item up specifically with with its own memories that would give it. Yeah, but but that's probably harder to implement in a lot of ways. So. Um. Yeah, I I think your I think your solution works pretty well. It's pretty pretty good, especially given the premises that you wanted to stick to. So, yeah, it's good good email. I I'd use it. Like Spirit said, what's that? I'd use it. I'd use it all the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. Um, we got a wild rabbin. Hey, printers are fixed. Sorry, I'm late, guys. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Um, would Did you we already like... gloss over worldview world? Well, we well, said we, we were going to save it for you, and now you're here. Yeah, oh, we yay. glossed over it in that we said, we basically just said that it was the thing that you had more thoughts on, and that we uh, we talked very briefly about, you know, server 
pairings, um, okay. or the like the mergings or whatever. Not merging, but all right. The, well, let me just say system. I did. I agree about what I came in when you're talking about that email, and I liked um, that idea. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. I think it might be even better than getting a rune or sigil that is stat swapping, say a legendary um, rune or sigil, because then you know it's just bundled in your legendary and it has memory. I, I like that idea. I would use it all the time if uh, if the if they made that system, I would have more uh, incentive to make a legendary. Otherwise, I mean, I haven't made leg- legendary yet, so I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you just launch into some world v world talk? Okay, cool. Well, let's see. We had a lot of uh, updates, and I think it was all for the for the better. Um, the World Viral community, at least on NSP, is taking it well, except for maybe since this last uh, server change. So that, I guess that leads me right into um, server pairing. Um, last week, when it you know first launched, we were we were still paired with Sorrow Furnace, Sorrow's Furnace, but we were up against I forgot who, but you know numbers seemed pretty pretty equal. Fights all over the maps were happening like crazy. I mean, you get orange swords all the time. And if you mm-hmm. like to go into World v. World for the PvP, I mean, the pairing of the servers has made it just PvP all the time. It's crazy. Which has kind of also made it that defense is becoming more of a thing because there's more people online, so there's more people able to defend keeps, towers, and such. Um, there's still night capping stuff going on, at least on NSP, where you've got uh, you know stuff flipping at night because less people. But I imagine on the top of your servers, when they've got, you know, staffed all the time, you know, that bit's thing stays, uh, keeps stay all week long, uh, which is kind of cool. I still think, though, that they should do some more to incentivize uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more bonuses for defense and for uh, um, roaming. Because if you're watching a tower or a keep and you're just staying there, I know that, you know, if they did this, people would just AFA and get loot, so they probably can't change it. You're going to lose your new little, uh, um, percentage bonus, the map percentage bonus, which works very much like um, we see in the Silver Wastes or um, in the Hot Maps, which has also been added. I'm just jumping in talking about everything, so I hope you guys can follow. <laughs> which is also really cool, because the fact that now you've got these uh, map bonuses that um, you get a, get a chest every tick. Well, not a chest every tick. What happens is you can make your map bonus go up to 550 points. And at 550 points, um, you get a uh, a chest or a box of loot um, which is very much like the PvP uh, reward tracks, and it's it's very cool, very welcomed. Um, the fact that you've got this now um, added to it feels like the I guess it hasn't changed that much, but it does feel like the um, loot that you get just for ranking up is better for some reason. Maybe it's just I'm at a higher rank now. I don't know. But anyway, the point I was getting at the fact that there's loot, you know, substantial loot, and you're getting gold and things in World v. World is more equal to if you're just out in the PvE environment, which I think was really needed because the before um, Hot was launched, there was uh, you had to pay silver to upgrade keeps. So, you know, people are dumping silver into upgrading keeps and not getting it back because you don't make much money in World v. World. So the fact that people have, you know, stayed in this for this long shows that, you know, people really enjoy World v. World and it really needed this. But now that you can get gold and gear and skins because you just pick which loot box, which loot track you want, and you can get, you know, um, crate skins or ore skins. It's make it's really widened and made a lot of things um, in the PvE world um, in Guild Wars available to the World v. Worlders, which I think is great. Um, that also kind of makes me think of the uh, cultural armor is now available with gold and World v. World crests. So here, hero badges. So I mean, that's cool. I mean, lots of good stuff. I don't know. Any <laughs> you guys have any comments on? Honestly, on, on this, I'm just kind of monologuing. Hype train. How excited are you? 
I don't know. I think I got myself more excited just talking about it now than even when I was playing it all week. <laughs> I mean, I know how that goes. That uh, you can get on a roll when you start talking about things, especially when you're enjoying the changes. Yeah, but yeah, it's. I think it's good. Um, I don't know. Did you guys play Worldview World much when the game launched? Because I don't think I got into it until at least a year after launch. Uh, I I probably did earlier than a year, but not not too much earlier than a year probably it was probably like six at least six months before i started playing worldly world because i was doing all the pv stuff i played some i didn't i've never been a hardcore worldly worlder as as has been stated multiple times on the podcast i did do it some during that first year for sure um just because it was there and it was interesting and it was cool so so some but i've never been hardcore about it okay so do you think and this is just me maybe remembering but maybe remembering correctly i do think there's always been a little problem with you know population and this server pairing thing really helps with that and this gets back to what i was saying before our first week's pair i forgot who we're with but it seemed pretty evenly um dispersed and there were lots of people on the map this week they paired hod with emery bay and i'm sorry if i ruffle anyone's feathers but hod is excellent and emery bay isn't that great in my experience fighting them and <laughs> HOD, but the thing with Emory Bay is they have lots of numbers. And now that you know, HOD has lots of worldview worlders, Emory Bay has lots of worldview worlders, and HOD is really good, we're just getting creamed out there. Because I was um, uh, running with uh, you know one of the most, uh, I think, well-known uh, drivers on NSP, Fabian. And you know he usually hops between maps. We can put pressure on HOD um, in their borderlands if you know they're causing trouble in our borderlands. That's our normal tactic have to do guerrilla attack because we're nsp is a smaller server but hod literally had so many people we couldn't take pressure off anywhere it was so frustrating they had a presence in every map we couldn't get them to leave because they were everywhere and that was kind of frustrating so i kind of think that maybe something needs to be done about pairing up servers that have so many worldview worlders that'd be my only complaint about the pairing and maybe we just got the short of the stick this week i don't know so uh, well, I will say that the the pairings have not changed. They, I believe, they said they have to be done manually. So we are, we are stuck with Sorrow's Furnace until there is a big change. Oh no, and... Sorrow's Furnace is great. I mean, they that nice thing about having them is they oh, are so in the you... same boat as us. I'm right. talking. Are you talking about we're... matchups instead of? Pairings? I'm talking about matchups. The server yes, because the okay. Well, the server the the we didn't know who HOD was paired with before we matched with them, and the fact that they're with Emery Bay paired with Emery Bay. So I guess, yeah, I was, what I was saying was a little confusing. But the fact that they're paid with, paired with Emory Bay, and there's so many Worldview Worlders on HOD and Emory Bay, that it's just overwhelming for us. We, we can't compete. They have a map presence in every map, especially during primetime, and not. So it's hard for us to cap anything right now. But that's just an NSP problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I haven't played it lately, so I don't know how the pairings slash matchups have affected the X-Bend. So I can't really speak to that from a higher tier server. And this is beta, so I'm hoping they'll see, like, oh, maybe these there was just an overwhelming force on these servers, which just crushed these other servers. So um, yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll see this, because I don't want the pairing to go away, because... I guess I guess that could be you know dispute as well. I mean, some people who probably enjoyed you know the solace of Worldly World in the middle of the night when there was nobody there don't like this, but people who want to do you know PvP fighting other players, this is an excellent improvement. Mm-hmm. I have to say, um, I was really surprised. 
Northern Shiver, well, not Northern Shiver. I mean, everyone's Eternal Battlegrounds for our matchup, but oh, yeah. Eternal Eternal Battlegrounds was queued almost all week. And it was yeah. like excessive queues for us. It was like, you know, between one to 10 people. And that's maybe 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the night. But, uh, but I couldn't believe that to... it was full all the time. Mm-hmm. No, and if it's even if it's just one to thirteen people, which I think it kind of hovered at, especially during a, if it wasn't the middle of the night, um, that's the difference between you know getting a strike zerg in there and doing damage. So yeah, it was interesting. And whenever you're in, um, you know, EB, it's just crazy. It's it's a fight all the time. Things are flipping. Things are being defended. I think we've held our uh, our keep most of it for most of it. But yeah, getting things to uh, fortified and reinforced is really. Um, important now in the world where before it was just kind of a nice thing. Now, you know, you see people running Doilax because we've got the numbers to do it and you have to do it because the Zergs are so big that they can just take down paper walls, which are, you know, the, the first tier ones, just like nothing. But yeah, I guess something else that was the big uh, discussion topic and people were wondering about was, you know, the pathing changes and we were going to get, I think we knew we weren't going to get the Alpine borderlines back. But something that has, you know, come up is if we go back to the Alpine Borderlands and we still have the server pairing, it's going to be even more crazy because there's not going to be enough space for everybody and it's going to be fights all the time. It'll be I mean, orange swords everywhere before. in the for, like, there was... for higher tier, you know what I mean? Like, that's well, maybe it's just because I've been in higher tier servers. Like, <laughs> it's there's space. It's just crazier. Yeah, it's so it'll I be mean, that it's definitely uh, very intense. It'll be that um, you know floating uh, island zerg, you know, bombing each other meta that I've only heard of because I guess we're not in a high enough tier server on NSP. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, having having played when when the maps are capped, you know, it doesn't get more full than capped. So yeah, that's true. That's true. But the pathing changes in Desert Borderlands was a great improvement. I think um, it, there's uh, the most notable ones would be I think some bridges in the uh, in the sand area during the the fiery Undercroft, and then I think there's there's little stuff everywhere. I'm getting rid of the uh, whatchamacallit's the barriers, the barricades. That was huge. I kind of like the barricades, but I see how um, obtrusive they were, and it just lets better flow and and stuff for, for the whole map. So that, that was pretty cool. Um, I think combination of people learning the Desert Borderlands as well as the pathing changes making things more accessible is, is better on all. I'd be happy to see Alpine Borderlands and Desert Borderlands in a rotation now. So... Yeah, I, I hope that they do go with a rotation rather than just replacing it again with the Alpine, or just replacing the desert with the Alpine. I think I think rotating between them at least gets to preserve the work that they've done both exactly. in the past Exactly, it'd be a shame to see that where all that work go to waste. Yeah, so, plus it just keeps things interesting, spices things up, so. Yeah, um, we touched on most of what I wanted to talk about. The uh, There's a new trait line, is that what they call it? I don't know. It's not a specialization. Ability it's a, it's line, a, what you spend is. ability yeah, line. Yeah, say world v world ability lines or whatever. Yeah, that brings the auto loot back and supposedly gives you better loot. I think on the uh, the, the track reward bonus. So that's actually that's pretty nice. I like uh, having auto loot because I'm always I'm so used to auto loot in um, PVE that I'm afraid I'm gonna you know not loot a, a precursor or something in world v world. So that that fear is at least alleviated. And yeah, um, you spent a little bit of time in. World through World. I think you're working on a legendary spirit. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I mean, I gave most of mine earlier. I just, I've been having a lot of fun. I mean, were there any fights? So I, I call it a, a few specific fights that I had fun with, like um, uh, 
accidentally finding one of my guildmates and rolling him over and having a little bit of banter in guild chat. And then uh, I had a, a 40 v 40 v 60 in Stone Mist, which was a lot of fun because that was the first, well, it was the first, my first encounter with the airship and any of the sort of defense upgrades and banners as well. Uh, so I hadn't seen a lot of the guild upgrades until that point, and it was also a big fight. And I really like those those sort of big three way fights. That that is a big draw to to World v World for me. I'm not uh, as we established previously. Personally, I am a weasel, and I will uh, do things to to be unfair and hide at the back of Zergs and things. I I'm not huge on the the one v one roamer fights or duels or anything. Uh, but I oh, but a, you know, a lot of fun with that. You can do some of this the. I don't know, I guess it's not 1v1. Some really sneaky stuff. So I used my level 80 uh, booster to make another thief and geared it up for a Condi thief in World v. World. I love when I like come up behind a Zerg and I pick someone out that's either probably going to be squishy or already hurt. I jump into the Zerg and then pop back out and they've got like 20 conditions on them and then they die. I know that's all <laughs> awful, but... So yeah, so I'm having a lot of fun. Also. I'm a weasel also. Um, <laughs> but at least oh. I'm not, you know transferring servers just to activate, you know, uh, tactivators, which has been going on all day um, in uh, our, our, our keep. Really? Today. Yeah, that's what the theory is. Either someone's just trying to troll us on our server, or it's someone that has transferred from one of our opposing servers that is always keeping our tactivators uh, activated so we can't use them when we need them. So I think the guild that claimed that uh, keep needs to put them on private or something. Interesting. Um, what actually what I was going to ask you is one of the one of the big things that they did is they added um, scout slots to World v World well to all squads but they're only useful in World v World uh, where you can basically you can designate someone in your squad as a scout and their participation uh, is sort of shared with the rest of the group I believe I think that's how it works um, have you seen anyone using that I haven't seen anyone I, using I've it or even talking about it interesting because I thought it was a great feature but I've I mean, we. I've I've also been following Fabian when I've when I've been in, but I haven't been in a situation where I'd I'd seen it used to great effect. So I was hoping that you had because I think it's a great thing. But if, if people aren't using it, maybe it's not as good as I thought. I don't know if uh, might be using it. I just don't know about it. I I'm surprised I didn't see anyone talking about it in chat. Um, we have so many. Well, we've got probably three or four dedicated scouts on NSP. That just that's all they do. So I'd hope that they are taking advantage of it, but I haven't seen them talking about it. Probably have more than three or four. There's three or four that are known to me and I see all the time. So, Alrighty. Well, that sounds like we're sort of starting to run out of steam here on the World v. World subject, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to add. I think I, think I covered everything I wanted to say. There's pro there'll probably always be more, but hey, we'll do more podcasts in the future. That's true. It's not like we're going anywhere. So. <laughs> uh Cool. All right. Well, then, was there a cast cast this week? I'm thinking about it. No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't have anything in particular. I've been sort of busy with stuff. I mean, uh, hey, relics of or is recruiting cast cast podcast with a podcast podcast with a podcast self cast with a podcast. Uh, yeah. Just we we've been doing some fun stuff lately, so I guess I can talk about that. We did uh, a Cerebal recently in our guild arena. Um, that was, it ended up being a sort of a 4v4, um, with, we allowed any profession, but no armor or trinkets, so you just had your weapon on. Uh, and I had a lot of fun using Wild Blow on Berserker, and if you're not familiar with that skill, what it does is it, the, the first person you hit, 
um, turns into a projectile and is launched backwards and people that the person hits uh, are knocked down. So I had a lot of fun uh, bowling the enemy team over, essentially. And then I know Christian had a lot of fun ruining my nice pushes with his guardian pulls and yanking the ball back to the middle or to the other side. So, uh, a Zern ball with the uh, guardian hammer five is really awesome when you get someone bouncing around inside that, that, that barrier yeah. thing. Is that five or four? Uh, four. Both are good. Four, yep. Four is banished, the, the thicker smacko. Yeah. So, nice. Alrighty, well, that uh, sounds like we're about to call it a night. I think we did pretty well for ourselves, considering that our notes pretty much consisted of uh, talk about stuff we didn't talk about last <laughs> week. So now that I'm sitting here, I'm glad we didn't try and talk about it last week. So thanks for listening once again, and we will be back next week. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com. Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.